I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I haven't hit bottom. Isn't this the lower level? Who's the queen? Honey, I got a mouthful of crowns. You almost got the triple crown. Um, speaking of crowns, you got 
already feel like this is going to be a wacky episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm here for it. Uh, It's episode 166. Wow, that feels like a witchy kind of number for a bewitched kind of... Listen, let's cut the shit. It's another OG of the AG Insta Classic. I'm so excited to be joined by none other than OG of the AG, obviously, uh, Mr. VH1, co-host of the amazing podcast you might know her from, and proud, some might say too proud, a Kim apologist like no other. Kim Richards is back on Beverly Hills this week, and I'm so excited that Damien Bellino is back on the People's People's Quarantine Style Couch. Damien, how are you? Wow, quite the intro. You'll be <laughs> you'll be happy to know that I have uh, notes this time for the first time in my entire history of ever being a guest. And oh my god, they do inc- one and of they us. do include Kim Richards um, us notes. <laughs> I would expect nothing less than a couple words that you have to say about all things Kim R. And I mean, the timing of this episode, it, this was not scheduled strategically because Kim was back. But I guess it's just a sign that you needed to be back this very week. It was a sign from the gods slash Andy Cohen above that this needed to happen. I was thinking that when I was... um when I was watching the previews for next week's Beverly Hills and Brandy showed up, I was like, oh, I should have been a guest next week. <laughs> yeah, that's going to. Well, unfortunately, she's going to be on, I think, several episodes. So there will be potential. Oh, please bring me. For... Pr- please bring me back when Brandy's really, truly in the mix. When Brandy announces that she may or may not have scissored Denise, <laughs> I will 100 <laughs> percent bring you back to discuss that. So Damien, how are you? What's happening? How is your Corona journey? Has it been magical? I, what are you up to? Your apartment looks great. Oh, thanks. Uh, I am good. I'm, I'm good. I have nothing really to report. Just, you know, I've relatively been continued. Continu- I've continued to be quarantined, basically. Um, I've, go- Love it. I've gone on some walks with friends or like sat in the park with a mask on. But that's about the extent of my social life um, beyond okay. beyond Zoom and such. And yeah, and just uh, chugging along. Protesting is about, I guess, the other most social thing I've done. I just got a corona, uh, a COVID test, and also an antibodies test. So fingers crossed. Crossed? I don't know. When do you hear? I should know in the next day or two. And do they email you? How does it work? Oh, no, you log in somewhere, I'm sure. Well, I went to my doctor, actually, so... Oh, so they'll just tell you. So I'm assuming they'll just call me or send, like, through the little portal in which we talk already. So the corona test, that's the up the nose? Correct. And antibodies is blood? Just blood, yeah. Fascinating. Yes. Wow. Well, hoping for the best. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) Yes. So that's about all that I have going on. I have been um, watching... I've been sort of on... A journey with the housewives and I've been listening okay. I've been really okay. I've really been religiously listening to Andy's girls and I um there's only one way to listen to it and it is in fact religiously and I really appreciate you using your platform to talk about the show and the Black Lives Matter movement but just also sort of the optics of 
the show and the way it is supposed to be real life, but then sort of we are forgiving of the behavior of people because why and sort of doing some of my own work beyond Housewives, but then also like if this is what I'm choosing to watch, what does that mean and say? And I've been watching your polls on Instagram where you're asking people, you know, how the current state of the world will inform maybe their watching of Bravo. And I have to say that it sort of initially I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And the more I've been thinking and the more I've also been, there's been because the Housewives have been on hiatus. I've also been a little like, I don't know. I feel like I've, I am getting somewhere. Like, I don't know if I feel super inclined to like watch OC and Dallas anymore. Like, I don't know that I care. Well, I mean, first off, thank you so much. Secondly, when it comes to Dallas, my disinterest in watching, I'm sure I will watch Dallas. I am pretty confident it's going to be a terrible season um I don't know that they're setting themselves or have set themselves up for success I personally am just disgusted with the fact that they are either they've already started filming or are planning in short order to pick up filming in Dallas and OC when there is so much happening with um corona numbers in both of those places I just think it's a really dangerous precedent to set and I wonder about the crews and how much um how that like works for them like do they really have the choice to say I don't feel comfortable doing this and working right now I mean I don't know what the situations are I just think none of these people seem responsible enough to have protected themselves and kept themselves and their family members safe I've seen social media of the vast majority of these people out and about um I would say shout out to Bronwyn but I don't have access to her Instagram because she's blocked me but I've heard she's done great work but I just feel like it's it um my interest in both of those franchises and in watching is tempered by the reality of where we are right now and the fact that you know, if it means we don't have new housewives in 2021, but people are safe, I'm okay waiting and waiting for what will likely also be better quality product. With Dallas, I'll watch it. I don't think it'll be great. With Orange County, I've said publicly on Andy's Girls, I'm not going to watch while Kelly Dodd is on TV. I think it's, I think it's horrific that she still has a job. I think it's unbelievably hypocritical on behalf of the network and... I just can't tune in and support someone who's done her very best to be publicly and proudly racist, which she is. She's a racist person and also spread disinformation. And and she continues to. And I think even more so than obviously like people who don't believe COVID or think that COVID is somehow like a partisan issue. Excuse me. So obviously I guess you're not going to do a pickup. So it doesn't matter that I just did that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like COVID truthers and people who don't believe COVID or think that COVID is some sort of like partisan issue. Like I sort of like that cannot compute that. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this kind of person exists, but it's even more like the highlighting of like the way that Vanderpump rules has sort of been firing people. And then, Mm -hmm. then also people from below deck, but then Kelly Dodd Mm -hmm. has not been fired at least publicly. And, and it's like, and then where does the, um, like, where do you stop? Because like Jax hasn't been fired. So it's like, then you just kind of, then you're just cleaning house of all of your shows. And then it's like, well, what is the spotlight? Like reality TV for me has been 
such a fun sh- stuff, such, such fun because I don't watch it for surf at surface value or mm-hmm. at face value. I watch it and I like to think about like the ath- anthropological sort of like goings on. And I love to talk, talk mm-hmm. about like what potentially is going on behind the scenes, which I think is a lot of what's happening on New York mm-hmm. and maybe also Beverly Hills this current season. So like, hopefully we'll mm-hmm. get into that later. But like, I look back at Dallas this past season and how the show quickly turned its heels on Leanne to like save the network and to save and the women were like totally in on that because they hated her and thought she got preferential treatment for being a a demon which like sure she was but like the show totally like used her for three seasons and loved her and made her the star then they were like oh she's crossed the line let's annihilate her on the reunion to make like Andy look like he's a you know he's enlightened and also but also like she was allowed to go to BravoCon three weeks ago and this is already all had been in the can so like that kind of stuff has made me be like, okay, so like reality TV really rewards people for bad behavior. That's just part of the, um, it's part of the dynamic. Like it's a docu-series and then when these people become celebrities or bigger celebrities, then they're sort of like, they get to behave a certain way and get paid for it because that's like, it's creating conflict, it's creating drama, it's controversial or provocative. And all of that is what I'm sort of sitting with and like, how do I stand for X, but then I'm going and I'm like watching like Ramona and Kelly and uh Leanne and Stephanie and Brandy who were like yeah down with Leanne but like Brandy also should lose her job she's also a racist and if Stephanie's saying she's not then like she's not actually taking into consideration Brandy's actions she's saying this person isn't malicious because she's my friend she's not saying this person is not a racist you know well I think what a lot of these women are saying is like there is one specific form of racism and it is someone saying out loud I hate black people right and that's it there's that racism and then there's just everybody loving everybody and don't and listen life is lived in the gray okay Mm -hmm. i mean talking about a world of black and white when you look at racism and the structure of systemic racism this is kind of where we are where we're seeing it uh creep out and in some ways sort of blast out of a lot of these women who have um lived and continue to live in worlds of enormous privilege, both white privilege, financial privilege, whatever else. Um, You know, I don't think that we have to lose garbage people in order to clean house with Bravo. I absolutely think you can still have trash boxes filled with housewives and various Bravo labs who should continue to have their jobs. Like, Kim Richards, I think is a, that's a terrible example because I don't want her to back on a show. Okay, wait, just take that back. Rewind that. I think that there are people half the well, no, I can't even say New York. Um, there are a lot of people who I think are personally miserable pieces of shit who I don't think who haven't exhibited what I would consider racism or racist behavior publicly that I would personally know about or that I've been told about. But I think that there needs to be some sort of zero tolerance code of conduct in this time. And it is wild to me if a network like Bravo that considers itself to be all about equality and whatever else, or at least cashes in on that ethos, the pride float of it all. I think it's wild if they don't establish that. I haven't heard anything from them about like what they're actually doing day to day aside from that big check that was being written by their like overlords at um you know NBC Universal or whatever what am i saying NBC time War- whatever it is um i just think you know where where are we with like next steps that shows people that you can still this is still reality tv we are still looking for women who engage with each other 
with heightened tension and conflict and talking about the ins and outs of relationships that doesn't also include rewarding people who are exhibiting racist behavior by allowing them to keep their jobs. Yes, Damien's raising his hand. So, but, okay, so I, I think it was, it was either, maybe it was Rafi D'Angelo or maybe Brian Moylan. You had a guest recently yeah. who talked about, like, why are we getting rid of the people though, rather than sort oh. of making them like, why are we not like making Stasi come back and sort of having to yes, face, Rafi said face that. those conversations mm-hmm. about race. And I think that, you know, obviously this is like a huge conversation, but I think that it's like, does, do you give the platform to the person who exhibited bad behavior or do you sort of like, I guess what they did with Leanne, which is like, let her hang herself out to dry. But it seems complicated because you're continuing to make Leanne the star of the show until it's time to and it's like do we bring Stassi and Kristen back and like make this a plot point or do we just cut it off with them because then it's like now we're just neutering things like if Garcelle and uh, Kyle allegedly have had this sort of like um, beef that I had seen on Instagram that was like maybe um, I don't know there was like implications that perhaps it was racially um, fueled or that there were microaggressions I don't know if that's true and I don't know like if it's true that maybe they're trying to like look at that and edit it but it's like maybe we should like see Kyle have to own up to that behavior on camera opposed to editing it out so that we're avoiding scandal you know yeah I mean I'm gonna put Kyle out of it because I don't know enough about that situation and what's going on but I do think you're making a really valid point that Rafi made as well which is it's oh we need to see people held accountable for their behavior and the problem that I have with Bravo is that like everyone keeps bringing up Stassi and Kristen but as I've said on Andy Scrolls repeatedly they weren't publicly fired from the show like the network the never actually the network never actually publicly said that what they did um to Faith was exhibited strong and aggressive racist behavior like no one ever said that I'm not watching Below Deck Med this season but the guy that the um deckhand I think his name is Peter who they said has been fired from the show and is being cut from future episodes what people have told me is that he features heavily in the plot and if I was a network and the episodes hadn't yet aired and I said oh we're going to be cutting out of future episodes and I wanted to do what I wanted to do maybe you cut him two minutes an episode so you can technically say yes I removed him from future episodes but you're keeping him as a large part of the plot it just feels strange to me I think that there is a middle ground here and that regardless of whether or not someone keeps their job for whatever you need to call out racism and and Bravo is doing a really consistently bad job of doing that and holding their talent accountable, which well, I, you I know, think that it op- separates a lot of the community from the love that they had for the network. I think that it opens up a can of worms because I think then it's like if they bring, say they bring Stassi and Kristen back to be held accountable for their behavior. And then like Jax and, and whatever Brit or Brittany are the ones that are like having those conversations for plot because producers are saying have these conversations with them on camera then people you know what I mean then it's like well you guys are not great either you know and it's like it just continues to like mushroom of like everyone is sort of garbage and also everyone has a past and we've all done things we've all have been uh you know conditioned in white supremacy so we've all have been you know have not done great things or been participatory or complicit at some point in our lives you know Yes, which is why I think the first step is calling out racism. That is literally the bare minimum that the network could have done that they have not 
done. They've done it when it was someone who was like a third deckhand who's of very, very little value and even smaller name recognition within the larger Bravo audience because it was the bare ass minimum that they could do so that they can say that generally they hold talent to account. It is a single person who still features heavily from what I've been told. And again, I haven't watched this season um, heavily on episodes and the Stassi and Kristen of all just of it all just continues to um, like boggle my mind. But I do have to say I got you a present. <gasps> I've been saving it for you. Oh, my God. It's Christmas in July, a.k.a. Hanukkah. And listen, guys, I had a satchel several weeks ago Uh from Alyssa in somewhere. And I heard from a lot of AGs that they loved it. It was like a satchel from the gods of like graduate school, doctorate level, yada, yada, or is a deep dive. And her perspective was really fascinating. I think she was an epidemiologist. No, that's wrong. Or psychologist. I'm so sorry. Apologies. There was some sort of ologist and I'm very into it with my bachelor's degree in musical theater performance. So I have a satchel that was sent to me from a a lovely woman named Lisa. And I told you, I just got a satchel and I think it's going to be wild. And you were like, oh, my God, I need to know what it is. I need to know. This is like several weeks. Yeah, I remember vaguely. So I was like, I'm not telling you what it is, but I'm going to read it on an episode. And I have been hoarding this satchel until you came back on the people's people's quarantine style couch because I think it actually factors into what we're talking about and so I want for us to kind of talk about this so it's someone who I think heard the Alyssa episode and um has a similar background um in you know thoughts and feelings um and so this is a satchel from Lisa as I'm calling her Lisa PhD says whose um, education background, her doctorate is in ethnic studies from UC San Diego. She is currently a faculty member at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which I have heard is a fantastic um, college institution based on my memory of um, the five-year engagement. Remember that movie with Jason Segel and um, Emily Blunt where she needs to go away for five years to go to school? I think it was, in fact, that college. So... Based on a middle brow um, rom-com, kudos to uh, Lisa PhD. Okay, so here it is. So Lisa says, there are so many academics out there with PhDs that are obsessed with housewives like myself. A lot of my peers, women of color and queer men, watch these shows because of the escapism that it offers, especially since so many of us whose research focuses on communities of color and their respective issues. Uh, In my conversations with them, we are immersed in the lives of these women, but sometimes our academic training seeps in and colors how we perceive and understand these women. Aside from the fact that these shows do not accurately portray the diverse populations that actually live in these cities with these women, like Dallas and New York, it seems to me that the women of color who are actually housewives are constantly reminded in subtle and explicit ways how they are different and thus held to a different standard. Remember Jules? 
as an Asian American woman, I was excited for Jules, especially because we both suffer from an eating disorder, a plight that a lot of Asian American women experience because of the belief that Asian women are naturally thin. Sidebar, I had never thought about that. I learned something. I learned many things from this satchel. I thought that was really um uh, interesting. Jules really announced her ethnic racial difference to the point that many of the women felt annoyed or even burdened by it. The women just expected Jules to assimilate into the culture they had developed within the group, which really emphasizes wealth and their position within New York society. For Jules, her ethnicity and race became a joke to everyone else. And yes, she was comical about it. But she probably felt this was the only way to stand out if I make my identity into a joke. Aside from the case of Jules, the women of Potomac and Atlanta are also held to a different standard as well. Before these last couple of weeks of social unrest, Atlanta and Potomac were the only franchises that discussed race openly and how their racial identities forced them to deal with different standards that other white housewives will never have to deal with. Like, no one ever mentions how all the other franchises produce negative stereotypes of white women. However, for Potomac and Atlanta, they have to deal with this always. Remember when Andy asked Kenya, was it true if Mark didn't film because it promoted negative stereotypes of black women? In other words, these women were carrying the burden of producing representations that were positive for their communities and were also relevant. For example, remember when Sheree had to discuss police brutality with Cairo after he was pulled over? That is a form of emotional labor that women of color like Sheree have to perform to make these issues legible for the broader audience. I cannot imagine what Sheree ha felt having to have that conversation on camera but having to because if she didn't, she would have been called out by those in the black community. In many ways, the women of color in the housewives world are constantly dealing with these issues on camera and have to share their trauma so they make themselves worthy to be listened to. In other words, if they share their wounds, then the audience, which is primarily white, feel more inclined to listen because someone they have been watching for years is personalizing a larger social issue. Wow. Wow. I'm obsessed <laughs> with that. I'm obsessed with that. I honestly feel like I maybe there should be a special episode of I'm just talking out loud of AG with like all psychologists. You need to get her as a guest. AGs. Yeah, that is amazing. I think, I, I think maybe Alyssa and Lisa. Well, um, Lisa, thank you for emailing this to Andy's Girl Show at gmail.com. The best place to send very long form satchels, which are, are of course my favorite. But um, uh, Alyssa, slide back into my DMs because I don't know that I have your contact information um, and let's talk because I just have to say as a sidebar, this is really, really fascinating and it, it is just elevating the conversation I, so much higher. I think that you and I, so just uh, full disclosure or like full transparency to the listeners that like we have not recorded together in probably like two months or three months, but we have been 
pretty da- pretty much daily sending each other like 17 voice memos that are like 90% about housewives and sometimes about other things in our lives but like just usually me being like wait so I read this thing about Garcelle and Kyle and D and then you being like I don't believe it and me being like why do you give Kyle? and then it's like literally just voice notes that we're like sending um <laughs> 17 an hour are you kidding you send me four of them at once I said 17 and I a- send you six back oh I said 17 a day Oh, I meant an hour. Oh. I think 17 a day is incredibly conservative. Yeah, guys, there's lost episodes because the voice notes like disappear uh, Mission Impossible style but, after like a second. But yeah. I think in one of those voice notes you said, and I don't know if this was uh, an observation that you came to after reading a satchel or if this was said in someone's satchel, but you had talked about also about how in season one of Potomac, there was this whole, whole plot point about um, how Ashley and Katie, who are mixed race or biracial or identify as such, sort of calling out Giselle and Robin, who are light skin, and saying, like, you guys are mixed race or you guys are biracial. And those women were saying, like, no, we're not. Like, we are black. Our families are black. Our culture is black. And there was, like, an argument. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, someone had sent you a satchel that sort of called out how that is emotional labor, how they are sort of performing this conversation for an audience. But that, like, you know, that... If people that like, why would a biracial woman tell a black woman, you must be biracial, like that they are mm-hmm. sort of performing race as a storyline, which of course, like we're, they are all performing a storyline or acting in their lives and it's shaped to be a storyline. But that that specific instance is actually like that is it's emotional, like that they are doing emotional labor about race mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. white housewives would never have to because that would never be on the table for them. And they're never having like, the like the cast that have been integrated um, have never talked about race in real ways, to my knowledge. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, there's such a hand, there's such a f- disparity in the women that have been. Pe- pe- I mean, Kim said that you know that Twitter created racism or whatever and whatever we're, poorly we're, worded thing she said at a reunion bathroom. It wasn't that bad. It was terrible, obviously, but, but it wasn't. I'm making a joke of that. I forget what she actually said. But I mean, more women of color that are integrated into a predominantly white cast. So that would be like Jules or Tiffany from season one of Dallas or Mm -hmm. um, Joyce or Peggy. So all of those women also, I think a lot of those women in those situations were assumed white, right? That they, you know, Mm -hmm. that they, because whether they were biracial, whether they didn't identify as a person of color, whether they were white, quote unquote, passing, you know, also I think Joyce was Puerto Rican. So like, I'm not sure like, you know, how she identifies that's an ethnicity, not a race. But in any case, these are conversations that were never really being delved into in any sort of thoughtful way with from the white women. Well, the Joyce aspect, as far as delving into it from the white women, it came up obviously most prominently when Brandy had that racist joke about um, swimming in a pool that but again, the responsibility of having to explain her trauma and then defend it, most importantly, was entirely on Joyce. Brandy's whole thing of, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, I have like, quote unquote, four to five black friends or whatever the refrain is that people are using. Um, it was as as this amazing um, satchel from Lisa in... Um, uh, Wisconsin Madison um, <laughs> or is it Madison Wisconsin Madison Wisconsin <laughs> oh my god I'm my doctorate and um, hooked on phonics work for me um, yeah I think as uh, what she's saying I mean the burden of having to explain uh, why you were hurt or offended by someone lobbing racist jokes your way is obviously primarily on these women of color and then 
to build upon that, then oftentimes that anger or frustration is buried or laughed off or scorned. I also think that, you know, to call back to Lisa's satchel, I think that that also was like on production, that they found Jules and thought that she would maybe be a good fit and maybe she was like friends of a friend of a friend of a friend of Dorinda's. And she, and they I think that they probably saw her Asian-ness as something that was dynamic and different from anything the other women offered. And so they when they were probably coming up with her, like I think that they encouraged her to talk about that stuff because it checks like when you're when you're producing reality tv you're sort of saying like what makes you different than the rest of the women well you're asian so talk about like that in your tagline you know and i think that i remember people being annoyed by that and thinking that it was annoying and like that's like the only thing that they knew about her that she had an eating disorder and she was asian and she was like annoying they thought and i think that that is like production put her she she also felt like she had to do it maybe but she was also asked to you know yeah, and I was one of those people who was super annoyed, and I am, like, a super Jew, and I was annoyed by the ways in which she was talking about um, a Jew, uh, a Jew. Judaism and money and stuff in a way where I was like, oh, like, it just, there was aspects of it that made me not thrilled, um, but because there aren't a ton of Jewish housewives, and I say this as a white woman, but what, as there aren't a ton of Jewish housewives, my perspective as a Jewish person was like, wow, this person, there's so much more weight, for lack of a better word, on this person to be representative of a lot of Jews because there are so few who are Jewish and full-time housewives. And so I think I had my own little struggle as a, again, white Jew, but as a Jew watching her, where it was like a Chinese person and a Jew walk into a bar and then they had me from like the second her tagline started through the end. It was just kind of like very superficial winks to the idea of Judaism. But and of course, production played a part of it. And I think what Lisa said was really important, which that stems from um, an idea and an expectation of um, Jules feeling like she needed to use that and use it as a joke in order to create her own identity on the show. If I'm not misinterpreting uh, what Lisa said, I mean, it was sort of uh, definitely eye-opening for me to read this satchel and also hear these perspectives because I, I do think that it adds a lot of um, deep insight into how we look back at a lot of these housewives who maybe we didn't like on the show, but maybe we and maybe we also judge too harshly based on the challenges that they were going through. Yeah. Which is specific to for um, for Jules of being um, uh, Asian American and Jewish and for um, Joyce of being Puerto Rican and dealing with the, um, you know, a person such as Brandy, who was uh, who weaponized, I think areas of jewels that if we uh sorry areas of joyce that i think if we looked back would probably make most of us very uncomfortable certainly in this current climate if it didn't when the um season first aired i mean it 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 definitely sort of changes things when we dip back into the housewives library i mean i know we both do and rewatch classic seasons and even shitty ones over and over and over again and it's interesting to experience it in the world in which we currently live. And then the question is like, how do we go about affecting change on these, fr many of these franchises that are primarily white? And 
you know, I've heard that New York is doing their very best to find a woman of color, I think specifically a black woman, to join Housewives. And I was talking to uh, one of the friends of the show about this earlier today, and I said, okay, cool, but my first question would be if I was a black woman of means who they contacted, I would say, how many black producers do you have working on New York? I have, you know, we all attended, um, we've attended Bravo events, including BravoCon, those producer panels, um, which featured a lot of black producers, which is fantastic. And I think they were primarily producing for Potomac and Atlanta. Why aren't there black producers or an executive producers produce or and more of them? If there are producing on New Jersey, Beverly Hills, Dallas and New York, I think it would really change the ways in which these women were being cast and the ways in which these stories were being told. And if I was the production company or rather the network looking at how I needed to very, very quickly enact change on some of these shows, including specifically New York, I would hope that they were also thinking about how they were changing the dynamics off camera. And I also think it would be incredibly unfair to bring on a black woman to join New York and not have a single person supporting her as her um, a personal producer, anybody else behind the camera who is also um, a person of color. I think that would be really, really challenging. Yeah, I wonder. And unfair. I wonder if Garcelle's producer is my my assumption would be that they are black, but that maybe is not the right assumption to make. Yeah, I wonder what Garcelle. I know Garcelle's had a couple interviews. One of which happened this week. I think about her just how she's paid in relation to other people as a woman of color. I don't know that it was specific to housewives. Um, but I wonder about what her experiences were her first season of Beverly Hills. And then I would think she's most assuredly getting her contract renewed. I think she's been a really, really awesome um, uh, addition to the franchise. I would be curious to see how her position and experiences may change next season, not only because of the change in our climate and dynamic relating to Black Lives Matter, but also because her value as a housewife has increased. She has gotten a lot of positive feedback from the audience, incredibly deservedly so. So I would think her value increased based on the fact that she did her first season she killed it she did a great job and now what's going to happen from here like I don't know what her compensation levels are or anything relating to that but I think you know do you, pay attention please do you so is this an okay to time to sort of transition into talking about Beverly Hills because I'd love to keep I would love to ask you questions baby let's do it I, let's pivot uh, let's take a pivot let's take a moment let's shift that people's people's couch like we're Ross Geller up a <laughs> flight of stairs because I have more questions about Garcelle that I want to ask you I think I sent you a voice memo a couple weeks ago and then you never responded to it but probably because it got lost in the sea of voice memos that we send each other throughout the day. Sometimes it's like literally the next day. And I'm like, oh, wait, was there something I was supposed to So my question about Garcelle is like, I'm loving her and her energy. I think that I would assume she will come back next season unless she doesn't want to because maybe it's been a terrible yeah, experience. Yeah, it's entirely up to her. Or like it's if, she, or if she's like, her. I don't want to come and like have to do the things now that you guys are like clued mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how do you feel sort of about the fact that she's been absent from a lot of group events? Like I've read some Instagram comments where people were saying she doesn't have much of a storyline or she's not really integrated in the group. And then I also read um, an interview or someone on Watch What Happens Live. One of the women said how Garcelle like wasn't always around or maybe that's what Kyle has been saying in her confessionals, which is like obviously Garcelle had 
other engagements, whether it was filming Coming to America 2 in Atlanta or I think she has a TV show on Netflix. But, like, it seems like she is not always available to, like, be at everything, which it's usual that, like, somebody, like, it'll be like Lisa Renna's at QVC, so she's not here tonight. But it seems like there's already been, like, she's a new housewife and there's been, like, five things that she has not been at, at, which makes it feel like the dynamic within the group, it seems like she's more siloed off. And, like, I believe her relationship with Lisa Rinna and Denise, and I feel like if she comes back, it's like she and Denise coming back seems like that makes sense because it, like, sets up a whole new season where they now are validated by maybe the way the fans feel about them opposed to the mm-hmm. way the women thought it was going to go. But mm-hmm. I also do feel like she is disconnected from the other women in a way. Like, she doesn't seem like she has a rapport with the group. Does that make sense? And I'm curious yeah, on your it, thoughts. Yeah, it does. And my guess is that during negotiations for her for her joining the cast, she was like, here are my conflicts. I'm You guys are going to sh- shoot during these months. I have, I'm moving into an entirely new house that I've built. So that is both plot, but also an amount of time. And I'm going to be out of time on these you know, these dates are blocked off because I have other commitments and similar to what Denise does with filming her um, soap opera, I would assume five days a week, production took that into account and decided that her value to the brand and her value to the franchise was more important than bringing somebody on who was fully available. I mean, I think, I think if potentially they shot next season and she was around for more, God bless, that would be great. But I also think that's like not, it doesn't it's not a distraction to me like if I'm a I'm I come from a place of I'd love to see her more but I'm more focused on like really enjoying her um when I see her in scenes and I also feel like she brings so much value that I come from a place of just like appreciating her energy when she's there and that's kind of where it is I'd love to see her on more I also think there was a lot of pressure on her to be the first full-time 100% um black housewife on Beverly Hills that's a lot it's also a lot of pressure coming off of a season that surely she had heard from the viewership was very very bad and like pretty low quality so I assume that also adds pressure of like well I want to help restore this franchise to previous greatness I know I have to bring something the pressures that um Lisa Satchel Dr. Lisa was talking about in her satchel that's unfair an unfair burden that's really hoisted on the shoulders of many of these black housewives to be representative in a way that white housewives are not expected to be or not um, held to account for when it comes to their behavior. Um, But I just kind of am left with like the idea that like, I'm sure this was, there were blacked out dates that production agreed to the network agreed to her team said, this is like the way it's going to be. And to me, yeah. Would I like to see her more? Yes. Do I think that the energy with Denise is really important? Yes. Do I think that even if Denise left, which is a huge question mark right now, she would still be great. And it also helps that she and Kyle are in this like weird quasi combative, but not combative. That's too strong a word where it's like a slow boil of like tension between the two of them and that will help next season that to me feels like it's rooted in a production secret that we don't know what do you think like to me like I can't quite I do agree that when they show Kyle I mean I think with Lisa Vanderpump and I a lot of your guests have discussed this but I think with Lisa Vanderpump off the show this season has really highlighted some mean girl behavior that maybe Kyle always exhibited that we just didn't see because Lisa Vanderpump was so um, con- in control of the narrative mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Kyle was like able to sort of take back seat to that. 
But um, yeah, I wonder if the root of their issue is somehow connected to like off-camera drama. It seems like there's a lot of that happening this season. Well, Kyle said on Watch What Happens or something recently that she thought it was inappropriate what Garcelle said at that um, awards event that the gala that Garcelle was being honored at. She was like, you know, I, you know, donated a lot to her charity, which I wasn't thanked for or didn't come up on camera, which was totally fine. But I just thought the way that she addressed me, that joke was like inappropriate or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking about it and I was like, I see absolutely nothing wrong with what Garcelle said. It was such a wink. It was such a like. It was like a wink like Nothing I'm filming I'm filming housewives and I'm making a joke and then when they when called out she was like oh yeah that was about you and like maybe there was truth to it but like it she didn't say she didn't say Kyle Richards is an asshole on stage in a microphone you know what right. I mean it was like totally like I thought like cheeky like it was innocuous I'm filming yeah. a housewife show and clearly they're not my best friends <laughs> yeah I think there's a little bit of a reaching for straws but it is based in frustration that these women both have about each other as you said I'm not quite sure what's going on and I I'm sure there's something having to do with production or something else and maybe we'll see more about that as this season continues but for right now like Garcelle a plus plus in my book you know has had a great first season I also think when it comes to the Lisa Vanderpump of it all when you talk about bad girl behavior sure Lisa Vanderpump was manipulative and would continue on conversations and needle at people and poke at people because they she was looking for a response and then she would critique the response when it arrived so she did her very best to wind someone off and when they popped off, she was like, look at what you're doing, how you're behaving. It's so terrible. It was like this wonderful circle of gaslighting that worked to our benefit for several seasons as viewers until it didn't. What is overwhelming to me is that these sort of similar to what you were saying with like Dallas hypocrisy, yada, yada, amongst the housewives. All of these women went out of their way to bury and push Lisa Vanderpump off last season, which again, I firmly agree with. I thought it was a great idea. Great. No, but I know where you're going and I think it's brilliant. They are now doing, they are now exhibiting the exact same behavior that they bemoaned and said was so inappropriate and so cruel and so hostile last season. And they are doing it repeatedly. And I put up an Instagram poll yesterday or the day before. I need to see if I still have the numbers that said, whose side are you on? Erica Jane versus Aaron. And I know that that's like a very. It's, it's the way that it's framed because people can't handle the man. In, in that poll, people are voting against a man talking to a woman. Right. And I also think it's actually not Erica Jane. I, I actually struggled with how to write this Instagram poll and I wanted it to be explicit. So I went with Erica Jane versus Aaron. But I also think it really would have worked with like everyone else versus Aaron and Denise or everyone else versus Denise because Aaron is on team Denise. I don't think it. this really has a lot. I think it has something to do with Aaron, but I also think it has something to do with the strategies that these women are deploying in order to sort of destroy Denise. But anyway, the results of the poll, 76% Erica Jane, 24% Aaron. And someone reached out to me and they were like, who on earth would have voted for Aaron? And I responded and said, I would have. And you're putting yourself, yeah. you did too. Because I, it, I watched... As we all know, I watch each episode 900 times. I rewatched Beverly Hills this morning and then I re rewatched certain scenes after I watched it in full again. Aaron was trying to make certain points at moments like, oh, if I had come in and like thrown over a table or whatever he said, and he wasn't allowed a moment in which to continue his thought. These women just kind of like jumped on certain phrases and used it to weaponize it against him, which is just a little sidebar. 
in order to say that, sure, his reactions weren't ideal, but he didn't behave in a way that I thought was in any way super inappropriate. And if you're going to talk about how a man talks to a woman, why aren't you saying the reverse? The way in which they were behaving, which I thought was incredibly antagonistic and disrespectful to him, was at least equal to what they were saying he was doing to them. And all of this is coming from a place of Denise doesn't want to talk about this anymore. When you ask Denise for her genuine, honest opinion, she says she was uncomfortable with sex talk while her kids and their friends were nearby. The women will not accept that. So why should Denise continue a conversation when they are saying what she is saying never actually happened? Then they say that because she doesn't want to talk about it anymore, that somehow that's connected to the idea that she's calling them bad parents. Denise never brought into the conversation that she thought the way that they were behaving had anything to do with their parenting style. What she was doing was choosing as a parent to limit um, uh, access for her kids to hear conversations that she thought were too mature and too adult for them and also their friends. And that's when this whole thing went to shit. Because to me, it's like you are saying that she's trying to say something about you that you're actually saying about her and then you won't let it go. She's telling you she's had enough. It's like it's enough. I think, okay, so I love what you're saying. That was my mom. I love what you're saying and I, I have a couple like questions slash follow-ups, which is one, I think to your point about the way that Lisa Vanderpump used to sort of plant something or instigate something and then get a reaction and then critique that reaction. I feel like they are doing that to him. They said, Kyle even said, I should wait until she's back from the bathroom, but, and then they're mad when he's defending his wife while she's in the bathroom and his reaction to it, which feels unfair. It's like, if you don't want a man to be involved in the drama, if you are critiquing- Don't involve him. Don't don't bring up the drama while she's in the bathroom. You're bringing it up to get a reaction because you maybe think that he's hot-headed or you think that his reaction is going to play well as a man versus a woman for plot, but don't- don't do that if you don't want the reaction. So that's question one. Two, Erica, Erica kept saying to Aaron, like, you're, don't mansplain to me. And I was like, I don't think in this moment he's mansplaining to you. Agree. So I think that you're, again, like, you're you incorrectly using, like, zeitgeisty, like, language buzzwords to, like, act like you have an argument and I don't think you do. And, Agree. And three, you know, there was a period at the picnic when they had the first walk-off where... I was sort of like, okay, how long is this storyline going to go on? And my friend Alex and I were texting and he said, well, I think that part of their critique is that Denise was on camera talking about last season about, you know, happy endings and threesomes. And her kids obviously can access that on television. It's on national TV. Her friends could have seen it. So for her to act like so offended by the behavior they think is like sort of um, uh, hypocritical. And I was like, okay, valid. But now that it's continued and she basically is like, she said her piece and she walked away. And I think the production is doing a decent job of showing us balance. We're seeing that Aaron is eccentric. We're seeing her conversation with Sammy where Sammy's like, mom, I don't care. So we're seeing that maybe Denise, you know, there's conflicting energy or attitudes about it. But also the women are keep pushing and Denise is like not engaging. And I don't think that that's wrong because they want her to give a huge reaction where she screams and cusses them out. So then they can see like, wow, you're mad. Why are you mad if you're okay with it? It's like they're like they're just they're gaslighting her. And it's they I think that Kyle and Erica really thought like this is going to work to our advantage and we're going to like take her down. And my at least what I'm seeing in my timeline, which I know can be like fucked by the algorithm. But what I'm seeing on Twitter, at least, and the people that I follow and engage with is people are, like, on Denise's side. Like, people think it's bullshit. 
um, agree with everything that you're saying. Rest in peace, Twitter. But I do have to say also the way in which Kyle and Erica and fucking Teddy Bear are talking about this. They're saying, absolutely. We know what you're doing. We know how you're manipulating this situation because essentially this is what we would have done. We know that you were trying to call us bad parents. This is what you're doing. But it's like, guys, don't you remember Denise Richards? She just like showed up to get her check where sparkly shorts get married in an hour and a half after deciding to do so and call it a day. Denise doesn't care about this show and hasn't invested as much emotionally in this show to provide her ongoing fame, which she already had, to provide her a career, which she already had, as much as these other women. They're looking at these situations and saying, wow, this is so easy to manipulate on camera for plot. Obviously, that's what she's doing. But with Denise, sometimes it's just Denise being there in the scene, having a laugh, doing whatever else, and then going home. I genuinely do not think that Denise has a energy invested in bearing these women and making them look bad. I really don't think she cares that much. She doesn't care enough about these women and she doesn't care enough about the show. What she does care about or did care about at some point was the fact that her friend of 20 years, who is now a colleague on this show, did not stand up for her in these situations where it was like everyone against her. And that's going to continue to go down. And I also think if we're talking about the manner in which many of these women have essentially adopted the strategies they bemoaned when Lisa Vanderpump was on the show, we need to take a strong look at the idea that Lisa Rinna was this motherfucking like gay icon queen with her daily dance and whatever else and could do no wrong or only ever did wrong, which was in service to the show and really start to look at the fact that she very quickly was very happy to help participate in burying Denise Richards, her friend, however close or whatever, who she had known for 20 years because of Housewives. And I think the ways in which we look at Rinna, who was fantastic casting for Housewives and has given us so much drama and so much like genuinely funny moments, kind of looks like a genuine piece of shit. Like, how do you look at her behavior right now and what we've seen in snippets of what's to come and be like, wow, she seems like a great person. I know that's not the standard, but it just makes me look at her a little bit different. Yeah, it doesn't make me look at her differently because I don't think I think she's a good person or like think that they were real friends. But I hear you and I think that I'm like grateful for Lisa Rinna and what she brings to Beverly Hills because I think that that was like comedy, which we needed and also she's yeah. like not I think that when housewives are on the show too long they become resistant to being mm-hmm. involved in drama they want to like promote mm-hmm. their business and like have the other the new girls be in drama so I appreciate mm-hmm. her but I yeah I think that it's not she's not been a real friend and I actually thought that Garcelle handled sort of being Denise's friend but also being like but I'm in this group of friends slash I'm filming a show when Denise left the barbecue and yeah. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And then she stayed with them and they all acted like idiots and were drinking. And she was like, they said something about like, she's pretending like we're bad moms. And she's like, well, she didn't say that guys. Like Denise is not implying that you're bad mothers. And she was like, she just doesn't want to like have that conversation around her kids. I wouldn't have that if my kid, I wouldn't be talking about a threesome if my boys were right here. And I felt like that was the way a friend would behave or a friend. If say, let's say that they're friends, but she's also friends with them. She didn't like choose sides, but she's being honest behind her back also she's like defending and she's also 
Yes, and she's also doing a wink and a smile of like the oh, and guys, by the way, before I leave, you're all terrible mothers or whatever she oh, says. Oh right, and everybody yeah, 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 yeah. Like, It's like she's doing a little callback, which is like very funny and very cheeky. But I never feel for a second that um, Garcelle is being disingenuous in not just like the friendship with Denise, but the level of trust that Denise probably has with Garcelle that Garcelle respects. You know what I'm saying? Like. With Denise and Rinna, I think Denise trusted that Rinna would step up for her and stand up for her. And Rinna is really, not sloppily, but she's very clearly interested in doing whatever she believes will end up like being in service for drama this season. And it just feels really strange because all of these women are talking about But do you feel like that's any different than how she's been in the past? I do because I actually it makes me recoil a little bit because I really think she's doing a lot to specifically needle this person. And from what she has said and what Denise has said, Rinna knows a lot about what Denise has done with her divorce and what she's been through with the kids and whatever else. And it makes me a little uncomfortable that she's so happy to very quickly um, and readily like emotionally manipulate this person that she mm. has a past with, regardless of whether they were going to brunch every day before housewives came along, they have, there was some sort of relationship there. They go back. And I think history is important when you have history with, with housewives when ha- housewives have history with each other. That's one of the most important factors to me when it comes to like when these people are in conflict. Like the fact that Giselle and Karen have so much history with each other that they can fight and do a callback to whether or not one of them cheated on a cookie bake at Jack and Jill however many years ago is solid gold to me because I want to feel like these women actually care about each other. Yeah, and I If Denise doesn't care about her co-stars fine it's like it's not great sure you want these people to care about each other so that the conflict has weight to it but if she doesn't okay then what the fuck are you doing i don't know yeah i mean no it absolutely makes sense and i think that it's always a question when new housewives are brought on and it's why i particular i particularly like when people come back because even if the Mm -hmm. even if their relationship is purely based on being on the show they have a history Mm -hmm. that's been filmed so we can flash Mm -hmm. back and it lets the world feel bigger and feel deeper and richer i think that i take the like lisa rinna and denise and garcelle friendships at like they were luckily there's getty images of them together like luckily they were all sort of like same level or like ish celebrities yeah and they were Yeah, yeah yeah and I don't know that it's real, but I agree that you want to believe that it is. But I also would argue that that is always, that's a lot of times what makes some housewives feel like fun, but not necessarily like good fits. Like I think Erica Jane's first season, she was great. But I, I would argue that once Yolanda left and her thing was like, I've never had female friends, which I don't like. It's not my jam when a woman acts like they can't be friends with other women. It's misogynistic. Um, that Erica, like, she doesn't feel like she cares about these women, really, or they're, and, like, she feels put out. I think this season is different. I think we're getting different versions of that, but I think that I would use the same argument that you're using, which is, like, you, like, yeah, Erica might not care about her co-stars, but, like, I want her to, and I guess if she doesn't, okay, like, how many fucks do you give? Zero, but also, like, I wish you gave some fucks because I want the stakes to be high for television that I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. It totally does. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's wild to me. I mean, 
Listen, it's strange sort of to defend Aaron because, as we all know, what was it? Cancer is like Spider-Man just trying to protect Gotham or whatever. <laughs> I know a lot about action comic people, figures, <laughs> etc. But, um, yeah, it just felt wacky to me when I was watching the episode. I felt like I was not watching the same show as a lot of other people. Agree. Um, can So I would love to just, like, bring one um, other Beverly Hills point before we move on to New York. Is that okay with you? It's, like, total. It's do. a total, like, roll left turn. Okay, great. I love a left turn. Oh, I also have in my notes, I'm Team Aaron. These really, these women really thought we were going to be on their side. <laughs> a lot of people are, can, P.S. Can you, They're not, they were not entirely wrong. Special request by Damian Bellino. Can you do a poll that asks whose side are you on? Um, all the, like everybody else, Denise or everybody else, and see if you get different results. And then maybe that can be like a, you can look and see if the numbers are different. I 100% will immediately, as soon as this episode goes up, go to my Instagram at Dame Dally ah! and I will do a team. Everybody else versus team Denise. And then I'll do a comparison of the results between the two and see if the percentages change. So I know how much you love Kyle and this is not a like jab at her. It's really a commentary on like the storytelling this particular week. But, you know, Kim was on this week and. She, oh, was she? I didn't see her. She, Where was she? And she was getting um, her like a breast reconstruction done. And so they mm-hmm. show her in the hospital and then Kyle goes to meet her. And then Kyle proceeds to talk about like losing her mother to cancer mm-hmm. and is like very mm-hmm. emotional. And it's mm-hmm. not to minimize the loss of her parent at all. Uh, I just thought it was peculiar storytelling because I understand that Kyle is the full-time housewife and therefore we are following Kim's story through Kyle, but also Kim has a history on the show. Like, we know her. If we're a fan of the show, we know her. So, like, this is particular to her. And Kyle's response to, like, the surgery wasn't, as it was framed in the show, her response to the surgery wasn't, like, about Kim. It was like, I'm worried about my sister because I lost my mom and I grew up without a mom. And when I was young, my mom said I have so much to learn and she wasn't ready to die. And it was, like, very emotional. And... And, but I just kept thinking about it, and maybe this is because I have a particular point of view because I lost my father when I was very young, but I just kept thinking about, like, I have so many siblings, and if I was on, if, like, one of them got sick and I was like, I lost my dad, and they're going to, <laughs> it was like, I felt really weird about watching it, watching, like, Kim's scare and her, like, surgery be framed around Kyle's Kyle I just felt like it was weird framing I didn't like it and I don't think it's Kyle's fault I think obviously it was just the way the show framed the situation but it made me feel a little bit strange because it was sort of like you know she was like Kyle me and Kim are we have ups and downs and then they flash back and they show all of this drama on the show and it's like yes Kim has a history on the show we don't need you to like frame this around Kyle's trauma with her mom we can frame it as Kim is sick or Kim is having a procedure and Kyle's being there and where is their relationship? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought it was interesting. I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that Kyle, as we've seen in past behaviors, whether she's flying on a plane or doing something with heights or whatever else, has a lot of fear around the idea of dying or being in a position where she's going to die. And what we're unpacking now, maybe for the first time, is where the root of that lies like the fact that she may be uncomfortable flying on a plane or whatever else is related to this very traumatic behavior 
that her mother imparted on her, which is like whatever the exact opposite of a gift is, is what her mom said to her, which is like, be very, very afraid of dying, which is not what her mom intended to do. In fact, what I think her mom was intending to do was saying, I love you so much. I want to be with you forever. And I can't and I'm scared. And what she ended up doing was the way that Kyle, the way that that seeped into and changed Kyle's DNA was to understand that death was scary and sudden and is something that is like unnatural and and elicits a lot of uh, fear and concern. So when Kyle is in a plastic surgery suite center waiting room for a procedure that unfortunately I'm not like Sarah Galley MD or maybe I am who's to say um I would think it's a relatively low risk procedure, noting that who knows what like Kim's medical history is and whatever else, but they're in a plastic surgery suite. She's getting some plastic taken out of her tits or whatever, and they're going to sew up and make her up, make her look real nice. Kyle can't even get through that without like the emotional PTSD JV version of like thinking about that moment where her body immediately shifts to a place where she's like, Oh my God, it makes me think about death. It makes me think about my mom. And all of that to say, I'm not actually answering your question, which is, was it strange that this scene became more about Kyle's reaction to Kim's surgery and dealing with the mom stuff and not about like, I'm here to support my sister. Well, and she also wasn't, think- she also wasn't talking about like her, if, if she was to lose Kim, she was talking about only, and listen, I'm not, and I'm not, it's not a criticism on Kyle. I think that I know it's because I think that like anyone can have those feelings and emotions, but I think it is interesting to like, it's captured her private thoughts are sort of captured and then framed as narrative around this thing. That's about another person who we know. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say something that actually I do not intend in any way to be a critique of Kyle. It wasn't in that moment about Kim. It was about Kyle losing her mom. It wasn't about Kim. And so we can look at that and be like, why wasn't it about Kim? But I don't think that there's an answer for that. I think the answer for that comes from like Kyle being with a psychiatrist for a long period of time and unpacking the levels of trauma that and la- who's to say she hasn't already done this, but like unpacking the layers of trauma that have created this kind of like behavioral structure where she's there specifically for her for like rubber to be removed from her sister's boobs or whatever. I know a lot about plastic surgery and medicine. Let me tell you. And it takes her back to this place yeah, where she no, can remember her mom yelling. Totally. And I totally get it. I think that my critique or my comment is just that framing the show, like framing it around Kyle's trauma, it feels peculiar because while like, like if it was Big Kathy or it was like, you know, one of like Rita's kids or something, it would make sense. But because we have a history with Kim for so many years. Why isn't why isn't Kim able to participate in this? Because we know her and she has right. a history so in the it, show. So it just feels like that's my only critique. It's like, it's totally, Kyle's feelings are all totally valid. And so I don't want it to be like, I'm coming down on Kyle because I love Kim. Because like, I know you're not. Yeah. I know you're not. It's just, I thought it was, it was interesting. And I was like, oh, like if I was Kyle, I would even watch that back and be like, oh, I hate that they'd like, use that part where I was talking about my mom over this stuff with Kim, you know, but she can't control that obviously. Cause it's not like she's on an EP. I mean, how honest do you want me to be right now? I mean, I want you to be honest as you always are. It's probably better for Kim that it wasn't all about Kim. 
You know what I'm saying? How is Kim doing in her life right now? We have no idea. Yeah. It might be better that this was a little vignette where Kim looks really kind of like. Yeah, but, but also. She's I, like, whatever. Yeah, but I don't need you to be the arbiter of like what is going on with. No, that's my job. That's, <laughs> that's literally what I mean. I mean, I don't think. I know how I you feel. I think that. I know how you feel about Kim. I just think that like the, if it's like, if your sister's coming on and agreeing to film something on television, it felt weird for production to frame it all as like Kyle's own trauma when it's like, okay, but like you're not this is not you and Farah. this I is mean, you and you and your sister who was a full-time cast member and who continues to show up to do things probably because she wants to and also probably because you know that people have interest and are invested in that relationship anyway yeah I I think this could be frankly a gift for Kim that it was shown where like she only had to say some quippy jokes or whatever and do something silly and call it a day because she has given enough weight and heaviness and darkness when she has been on the show in the past that this was sort of like the best case scenario for Kyle to take on if we're going to talk about emotional burden for Kyle to take that on and talk about her experiences losing her mom and whatever else and have Kim only there as you know familiar face that we know going through this thing we're not asking about her sobriety we're not asking about her kids relationships with her kids or their state of affairs it's really just like Kim is the vehicle in that moment into Kyle talking about her, her relationships with her sister and her mom and that's maybe not a benefit to the ghost of Big Kathy but it certainly is to the present state of Kim where is where is Kathy Jr.? Do you know, Kathy Jr., if we're going to talk about how some of these women lie about having money, nothing makes me happier than going to Kathy Hilton's Instagram and seeing the thousands of thousands of dollars that she spends on table settings and balloon things for her, like, granddaughter's first steps or whatever. Easter is always a fucking black tie affair. I just love the money that Kathy Hilton spends day to day and making her her life just glisten and glow. I appreciate it. I would love to see Kathy more because I love see if we're going to talk about Kyle being triggered. I love to see the dynamic of Kathy coming in and just bulldozing over people talking about how her niece's wedding dress looks like shit, whatever else. Like she has that big Kathy energy. Obviously we've never met big Kathy IRL rest in peace, but I love the Kathy Hilton glow. I think that love it's it. interesting. I honestly like as a youngest child, you know, like I don't really like Kyle, but as a youngest child, I think I relate to some of her energy. And I think that like, I think that Kathy and Kim can be mean to her and think of her as a child. I think that she then feels a really territorial of the show. And I think that probably outside of the show has been, whether it's been verb, like they've actually had conflict and they've critiqued Kyle or it's like unspoken. I think that it all, a lot of there's issues there in that, like, you know, in that Kyle wouldn't want those, her sisters to be on the show because it would like, it would put her in a spotlight that she wouldn't like. It would also like ha make her have to share the spotlight with them in ways that she wouldn't like. And it also tears her family apart. I mean, which matters. Well, it matters, but only now that like, I mean, she was fine to do it before to use Kim's addiction as a storyline for like four seasons. So, okay, listen, that's not entirely caught. Okay. It's not entirely. Not, un even, it's not untrue. That's not, no, but <laughs> Kim needs to be responsible for she is. her own. She is. I'm not saying she is. She 
okay. I, that's not. It's not Kyle's fault that Kim's world or whatever, fake or otherwise, unraveled on camera. That's entirely on Kim. Kim, at the end of the day, decided she needed cash quick and signed up for Housewives. And uh, frankly, as almost a gift to her, her contract was renewed. Like she, she's not. She's. I, not, what does she bring? I would love. Aside from being a disaster of a person. I would and a I, dark soul. I would love for you to talk about the first three to four seasons of Housewives and how they're good how Beverly Hills is so good and remove Kim Richards from all of them. I'm not I'm saying she's important to this, but I'm saying it's not Kyle's fault that her world unraveled. That is entirely no, Kim's. I, but I'm directly responding to your point, which she doesn't want her family to be torn apart, which is like she is also culpable for like knowing if your your sister is sick and being like, yeah, this is cool. It's cool until it explodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. As, I agree with she's, that. They're, think... they're both culpable. Of course, Kim is, is responsible for her own behavior and her, but like, it's also an illness and something that she shouldn't be vilified for, which is why I will argue with you. Like, she can be vilified for all of her bad behavior, but you also can't remove her disease from her behavior. And so when you make blanket statements about someone who has an addiction, it's not funny to me. It's not funny because she's an alcoholic. And so, and like, that's not funny to say like, Kyle is... His hands are clean entirely. She's not. She is. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm not saying her. You sort of just did. I didn't. No, I 100% (laughs) didn't. And I also have to say that Kyle and Kim, and I'm sure Kathy, wherever in the background, were in complete denial about Kim's alcoholism. 100%. The only time that came up was because Kyle was so triggered in the back of a limo that she said, I think for the very first time out loud, that you're sick and you're an alcoholic. They were all, Kyle was enabling Kim. Kyle thought, we're going to go into this reality show, maybe because I helped bring the cast together. I'm going to help. This dynamic is going to be fine. In the way in which she has been the big sister to her big sister for years, she just thought, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to hide for her. I'm going to like do whatever. And we're not going to talk about what what is actually happening. And that happened with Kyle during Kim's first shot at that that happened when Kim relapsed when people were like did she actually run away from her daughter's wedding in Mexico where is she and Kaya would like hem and haw around it and was very uncomfortable I mean like there is a pattern there of deny uh, self-imposed denial about this stuff amongst like the blaring indicators that someone is very very sick so I just want to make clear it's not that you know, it's there's there's like a middle ground here. No, there's I totally like a definite a middle ground. Yes, and, and I'm not trying to like. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I think that it's just it's prop. It's hard to paint broad strokes with like Kim because it also like the narrative that Kyle like is the big sister to her sister. That's also Kyle's narrative. That's not what Kim has said. And also based on what we have heard or seen from Kathy, it's not Kathy's narrative either. Obviously, Kyle's truth is hers, but that but we shouldn't invalidate the other sisters either just because one of them is an alcoholic I totally agree with you and I would just have to say to add on to that very respectfully and lovingly we should probably have a safe word I just realized um what is that safe word going to be um I would just have to say on top of that I mean Kyle seemed from what she told us and what Kim did not deny Mauricio I mean maybe this is a terrible way to say it as Kyle said he's like he took on a second wife I mean he was paying for Kim's place of residence he was paying for her living expenses he they were covering the cost of 
what Kim needed in order to like continue to survive. So if Kyle also took on the dynamic of being a big sister and like whether or not you can actually say that there's like money behind that action. It, it, there was an emotional element, which I absolutely believe existed. And there was also a financial one, which backs up the idea that Kyle was taking care of Kim. We're blinking. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I still think it, yeah. I mean, it's still. Do you want Kim to come back? No, I don't want to. Okay, I actually good. would prefer, like, Kyle just not be the focus anymore because I think that she's, like, not dynamic or, like, I don't like watching her because, um, but I also realize that's a problem. Like, this happens a lot. I feel like you did polls on Housewives about the beginning of Beverly Hills and people were like, Kyle needs to go. And you and you were reading them and you were like, uh, guys, no, conflict happens and we need that. Like, people just can't go. But I, yeah. but I do find myself similarly, like, when I start to feel like it's every time, a, this is a great transition to New York, every time a housewife becomes too comfortable and confident and think like they're that girl I'm ready for them to go because instantly they're no longer fun to watch because they and like Kyle has been that but because of LVP now it's sort of like I now I'm like oh Erica and Kyle like this season I'm, I'm into them because they're in the mix of drama but like anytime a housewife is like producing along I'm like what do you have going on in your life why do you think you're not allowed to be held in the court of public opinion the same way you're holding Denise or LVP or who like the way that Bethany used to hold everybody accountable in New York, but then she didn't talk about anything. It's like those housewives always feel like they need to go. I feel like New York is experiencing a lot of that. We're like Ramona, I think, and Sonia and Luann are all feeling very immune to like the fact that like they could not get a contract renewal. And I feel like it might be, they may be having that realization too late, like where it's like, they are living in a world where they're like, this is what people love about me. And it's like, actually, it's becoming tiresome, honey. Well, I feel like there's a difference between personality and place. Mm, when I think about mm. Kyle, she should never be like center diamond. You can put Kyle center diamond, like literally <laughs> for like the marketing of it all. Sure, to keep her sure. happy. I have no problem. She's not a strong alpha. She's a very, very strong supportive beta. And that's where I think she brings a lot of value. I like seeing her. I like seeing her German Shepherd dogs. My dog. Yeah, she's super uh, rich, which is always beautiful Kirby. and glamorous. Love it. Love her house. Best house of any housewife. Handsome husband. His super handsome husband, love him as he's gotten curvier with the pot, with the everything else. Love Mauricio. Love Mo. Love Maurice. Love the kids. Love the dogs. Love the life. Love it. Need a cent We need a strong alpha at the center. We don't currently have it. Um, it would be great if one came in. There was somebody I was thinking about the other day. Oh, um, Carol Caroline Stanberry needs to fucking figure uh. out a way to fly from Dubai to Beverly Hills on the weekends. She would be a fantastic, and that's something I talked about with her when she was on AG. She would be a fantastic center diamond. She has relationships with other people in New York. I do not think it would be an organic mix. But when we talk about the issues with current existing housewives when they, you know, have been there maybe a little too long, I think personality versus place. And then to pivot to New York, it's sort of a problem in both areas. Like, who's the center dynamic of this story? Right now, it, it until maybe this episode, in many ways, it was Leah, who's a first season housewife. And I think it's been Dorinda to be this whole season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or it could be, I think Dorinda. be Dorinda. But Dorinda, if we're going to... Yeah, let's dive in. There, need, there needs to be 
there needs to be changes. It's hard for me to talk about this season of New York and not immediately talk about what needs to change. Let's because talk about all it. I'm, I mean, all I'm doing watching these episodes is watching these episodes and thinking, like, this is not good. We all know why. It's because Bethany left an hour and a half into filming or whatever the fuck happened. She said, peace out. They did not have a single chance in which to figure out casting. It's why Elise has magically appeared in scenes and trips because she was filming essentially as a background actor friend of Ramona's. And then Ramona kept asking her to come back and film. So they had some sort of new energy in addition to Leah's. But production really didn't have a backup plan with Bethany's absence. And we're feeling that now. And we're also feeling we're seeing the um, complications that happen when women have stayed on this show too long. It just feels old and stale and mean and like stupid. So I agree. And I think that Dorinda, you know, was a lovable, welcome addition. I feel like she had some sort of like, I think it's because of her, I assume, Italianness. It's like sort of this ethnic white energy that's like a very different, mm. like different than since Jill's left. It's kind of like an Upper East Side, like waspy energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that. But like eclectic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I, a little wacky. Wacky, yeah. but still like we were all at one point it girls or like we are yes. all women of society, yada, yada, yada. Yes. And I think that Dorinda added something different. She was still that apparently, but she also was sort of a little rough around the edges. And maternal in ways that the other women did not show on the show. However, this particular season, but also I would argue like the mid parts of last season and the season before, like the way she can kind of be really mean as, a, as when she's drinking and the way she sort of is in denial about her behavior when she is drinking, um, they're hard to watch. And I think that I thought that this season was going to be like awful. I, I thought I was going to hate her, but over the last, I just binge watched like five episodes before we recorded because I've been avoiding it because I really am not enjoying the season. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hate Dorinda by the time I finish these episodes. And I think that she's having a lot of, there's a lot of sadness and darkness and problems happening. However, because I know what she is when she's sober and fun and what I know, what energy she brought to the show, I'm like forgiving of watching this arc of watching her heal and trying to face her demons and and how she integrates in the circle. But the problem is that she's not the only sort of erratic, mean, drunk, like person who's not taking um, ownership of their behavior because like Sonia Mm -hmm. is also drunk and delusional and can't own up to her behavior because she doesn't remember it. And Ramona can also be mean and also be like, is like selfish and doesn't care. And then uh, Luann is also a narcissist and like has her own drinking situation. And so it makes it hard because I'm sort of like, oh, everyone is the same archetype. And I think that Dorinda is the only one I think should be really allowed to move on. Like to me, a new season with Dorinda and Lu- Leah is the only way the show can grow. It's like maybe bring back Heather Thompson and I don't know who else they could bring back Jill, but like the, but beyond those two, I don't know who else from the past can come back. But Dorinda and Leah with new energy, I feel like that is correct. Let Dorinda help sort of bring out, bring over the old Upper East Side energy and maybe phase it out and let Leah bring in a new way of like West Village, more ethnic, more diverse type of women in New York, more downtown energy, like less of this sort of terrible stereotype of like watching these women sort of just be like ladies who lunch that have like gone on too long. Um... Loving your points. Couple things. Um, where to begin? 
so a Bravo holic pal of mine who may be listening, you know who you are, raised a point this morning that I thought was really interesting via DM, which is, do you think that during this month long break that New York had, Beverly Hills was longer, whatever, whatever the timing was, do you think that production took note of the viewership essentially roundly saying Dorinda is like incredibly abusive to people verbally and it needs to be toned down. Do you think that they re-edited any of these episodes, including this week, based on the fact that they needed to temper a little bit of how Dorinda was behaving? No, because I think she was still terrible. So I don't think so. I th- oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was more forgiving of her because I think that the focus, like once Tinsley left, the focus on like her, like her at the Halloween party was like, absurd and unprovoked but also like mm-hmm. but also Ramona is like a terrible despicable person and I don't think that mm-hmm. Dorinda at her core is a despicable person I think that Ramona is so I think that even though I thought it was unprovoked and weird and like she was drunk and got nasty and then was able to like stand by that behavior rather than being like I drank too much and like I don't know why I did that she still does this thing where she digs her heels in and is like no you meant like I mean it I meant it so I still think she's absurd and not correct, but I also think that it's like when she's arguing with Tinsley, it's so weird. Like, it's like it all feels like production. It's like her being like, "I'm not here for you." I mean, when I say, when I you just made a face, what I mean when I say that is like it feels like she's like you're not allowed to hide stuff from production. I oh, I found okay. I found out you're you're still seeing Scott. I'm going to bring it up to the rest of the girls if you don't tell us because like this is ridiculous. We're on a show. That's what I feel like it is now. Do I think that I appreciate that energy from Dorinda? Yes, because I think that she has a point. But it's but because of we don't hear all of the BTS, it's so aggressive and it feels so unprovoked. And Tinsley's so not like meeting her, so it just feels like she's being bulldozed. Although I think Leah or somebody on their social media said that Tinsley has like fought back more and that the edit has not been as kind to showing Tinsley mm-hmm. st- stand up for herself. Also, I can't believe Tinsley. So I just also watched Tinsley's departure in my binge watch. And so like, I can't believe she like legit quits. Like I thought, I knew that she left, but I didn't realize that they, they, they have new taglines and she's not in the opening credits anymore. And I was like, oh wow. Like it's a rebrand. And like, and I also, I understand like I used, was making fun of Elise in the beginning. And now I'm like, oh, they realized that Leah was not the voice of reason. So they needed somebody to be able to say like, I've been friends with Ramona for 20 years and she started hanging, right, having me hang out with these girls and now she's mad because I'm around. And like, I'm like, oh, this is also like, she's supposed to be the person who's telling us what's really happening because Leah can't do that. She's not the Bethany, the way they maybe. Right. Well, and Leah it, has no history with these people. Totally. So she, it would be unfair to expect that of her. So I think production was like, there's a, you know, viewers overwhelmingly like Leah and like Leah adding to the cast, but Leah can't, doesn't have a relationship. She just doesn't have a history. It's her first season. And, and Elise, obviously, are you going to go pee? What's Damien doing? Damien's running away. Oh, I think he's going to get a battery. Guys, if you could see what's happening right now, he just ran away in his well-appointed apartment. I think he's getting a battery. <laughs> he's doing something. Sorry, I was having a technical thing. I just needed, I was trying to still listen to you with the volume on high. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I think that it made sense based on the fact that Leah didn't have any, like, past history with these people but when we think about past history like that's not always a good thing i.e jill zarin rest in peace there is no reason to bring her back now i you know you and i both 
publicly campaigned for her return. And I think that would have been great had it happened. And frankly, had it happened last season, they would have been in a better position to have survived Bethany's sudden departure because you would have had another person with an ongoing relationship who we know and are familiar with from the past, I think, who could have helped in some way. But now it absolutely makes no sense because Ramona's got to go. The only reason to bring Jill back on is because of her relationship with Lou, because of her frenemyship with Ramona, whatever else, because she knows Dorinda, whatever else. It now, to me, makes absolutely no sense. I think Ramona's got to go. Sonia, I say, maybe keep as a friend of. Lou, I actually say, maybe keep as a friend of, maybe because she vibes with Sonia. I know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. But get rid of Ramona. Elise doesn't matter and build the show around introducing in new Leah's who may have a relationship with these women or may not like just redo well, thoughts it. On like, Dorin- Ramona thoughts is- on Dorinda. Dorinda, I think needs a one season timeout. I think that she should come back on the show, but I think she genuinely needs a break from this. I think it is making her sick or bringing out worse symptoms of whatever sickness she's going through, which I don't think is alcoholism or alcoholism alone. I don't, I, 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 I'm in no position to say that, even though I've said it 30 times before. (laughs) Um, I think that she has like anger stuff and sadness stuff, and it's not really related to the house. And, you know, these women are saying, you know, it's because she's never mourned her husband. And I get that, but I just think like the, this show is good. The same way we talk about Kim and being held accountable, despite she is also sick. Like, can it be true that she is mourning Richard for the first time in forever? If it's been, even if it's been yeah. 10 years, absolutely. But it doesn't excuse sure. the way she has been treating other people. And it doesn't give you a pass to be an awful person to the people in your life. And if you are, they're allowed to call you out on it. Yeah. And I just think selfishly, like she's bringing down the show. Ramona is bringing down the show. Dorinda's bringing down the show. Dorinda, I see a place in which she should come back, but in me, but I don't think it should be next season. I think, I think she genuinely needs a time out. I think she's got, she's like, she goes to a place that's unmanageable and goes on for so long. She's so sharp and so angry and like bitter And Tinsley going doesn't eliminate that. It just means she needs to refocus on a new target. Yeah. So I'm like, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see, she needs like an intervention, which is not related to the alcohol, but just like to her life. I'm not mad at her coming back. I just think that she needs to be, I just think that the focus can't, like she can't, I think the issue with Bethany being gone is that like, she is sort of carrying the weight of the show as the, maybe the smartest and most like, grounded person of the group not including leah but then the problem is then she's also like having a a tragedy so it's like there's nobody like she has no bethany to be like you need help we need to like do something like there's nobody to tell like the only person that is there to do that is leah and they don't have a relationship yet i like lee i like dorinda and like there's so much goodness in her that i have liked in the past that i hope that we can get that again but i agree that like everybody else sort of needs to get wiped out and tell me your thoughts. Go ahead. No, you have to thought first. I was in a trip. Well, I just, just thinking like Sonia V. Lou, like I think keep one of them in some capacity, not both. The problem like, keep is, one for of them, me is that like. Even in a limited, it could be a friend of. I think keep one of them friend of. I think Sonia changes with the wind and she won't be a drunk, sloppy mess if she's not around Ramona. I, I think she will change a little bit. I think the problem and if, for me yeah, with that if, is that like Luann's life outside of the show is having a cabaret and without the show she right. wouldn't have a cabaret it's like candy would still like candy arguably would still be on the mass singer because she's in escape 
escape and she's like a songwriter and like also Katie has never talked about being on The Masked Singer at any of the reunions or on Watch What Happens Live because she is also like like that has been something separate and I think that the issue with me with Luann is like her storyline is like she's always meeting with like friend of your show Ben Rimmelauer who I love to see on my TV but it's like she's always like well what's our new show and I'm like oh my god like it just feels scripted and it feels like if this show ended after two or three years, would people still be going to see her show? Would she be still having one? Like, what is her life outside of having the show that facilitates a show? And all and the argument between her and Sonia about like her Sonia being like she pays me two fifty, and the women being like value her. It's a cabaret. She probably doesn't have that money, and she is booking people that to me are bigger stars than like if Laura Benanti is doing. Uh, Countess Luann's show at 54 Below for that stipend, then like Sonia should do it for that too. But because they're all, because Sonia's delusional and because they're all on television, they think that like Luann owes her more and they're like using the weight of the show and the public opinion to like make that a plot to say like, yeah, she deserves, I can't believe Luann would only pay her 250. That's measly. And it's like, do you know what cabaret artists get paid? Right, but we're also pretending that this is a cabaret. Like it's a it's a showcase for a real housewife of New York. It is technically a cabaret with amazing Broadway talent that we've both seen when we went to it. Phenomenal. But the reason that the people in the crowd specific to Luann's show are there is not to see like L Luann with an L. It's to see the star of Real Housewives of New York, which totally, is why totally. the which is why Sonia's value has nothing to do with her being a fake Broadway performer, which so made dumb. literally no sense um, because of Cabrillesque. Uh, but because they're going to see a Bravo celebrity, and if you added one more, that's huge. Which I mean, like, yeah, should she have if there if it was possible for her to have a bigger stipend? That would be great. Should it be equal to the other people who are putting in a lot of time, energy, and talent? Absolutely. It should be even. But my question is, like, was Lou fucking her agent at this time, Rich Super? I think they're still together. Oh, really? I had no idea. I didn't know that was even a thing. Why aren't we getting any of that? Like, I think during – wait, was that a secret what I just said? I hope that we need to – I hope you need to edit this out. Um, I don't think that was a secret. No, I've, I've seen it in page six. No, it's not a secret. They were dating. I think that they're still dating. I could be a thousand percent wrong, but if they are and were at that point, why aren't we seeing that? Like if we have to see the cabaret, like cabaret, if we have to see the cabaret, why aren't we seeing some of the other aspects that are actually of interest, which is like Luann's dating life. The fact that she's like fucking somebody who like may or may not be getting a percentage and like all of that, like that would be of interest to me to see in addition to like whatever else. And spoiler alert, I went to a filming in um, motherfucking December and, and Sonia's in it so and people know that like it's not like she ever got if she got fired it lasted an hour and a half you know can you tell me so I sort of told you basically that they needed to clean house and maybe bring back a old off an old housewife or two so I have two mm-hmm. I have a question and a point or like a piece of gossip that I read <clears throat> oh love so I think I sent this to you but DJ Richie Sky who always has really good gossip about how all different housewife shows um had this whole like bit in his video on YouTube about Jill and Elise doing a Instagram. Oh my God. Thank you. So please go into this. Cause I f- totally forgot. And you sent this to me. I didn't know. So yeah. okay, Jill, tell people, Jill tell people. and Elise did a <clears throat> Jill and Elise did a 
Instagram, Instagram live, live. Where, sorry, I'm having like laryngitis. Oh, great. Um, Jill, Jill and Elise did a uh, Instagram live where Jill said that, you know, we all saw that like line that was like closed caption written or like it was captioned and it said, um, Jill said like, oh, does, does everyone just like come in a room and Dorinda freaks out at them now? And that was like shown as something that Jill said during the dinner party. And mm-hmm. DJ Richie Sky then like cut to this Instagram live that I had not seen with Elise and Jill mm-hmm. where Jill said, that that night she went over to talk to Dorinda and something happened where Dorinda was like, like Dorinda, she was like, Dorinda was rude to her and she was like, why are you being mean to me? And Mm -hmm. Dorinda was like, I'm not doing this with you. I'm not doing this on camera. Bravo, 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 bravo. Which as we, which as we know is allegedly the thing that they say when they don't want stuff to make it to air. And so, (laughs) um, and then, so then Joe was saying like that Luann wanted her to go to the Berkshires and mm-hmm. that I guess Dorinda shut that down. And so here's my, mm-hmm. I have a couple of thoughts here. One, okay. I feel like there was, they reached a point, especially when Tinsley left, where they were like, okay, we actually need to do something. So maybe they were actually open to the idea of bringing Jill on, even as just like a friend or a guest. Obviously she would have showed up to that one party. And I think that Dorinda, and I think maybe rightfully so, even though as a fan of the show, I would love to see Jill back in the mix. I think I think Dorinda was like, oh my God, you're here and you're just like trying to pick a fight with me because like you want to be in the drama now that we're on camera. Like, I'm not talking about this with you on camera. You're not even a cast member on the show. And then was like, she's not allowed to the Berkshires because like, Dor- I think this is all me speculation. I just think that Dorinda, that Jill is seeing that Dorinda is being awful and is using that as an opportunity for like, to be like, well, I have a history with you too, and you're being awful to me at this Halloween party. And then like, I like now I'm going to the Berkshires, and we can hash that out along with. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Or you seem you're looking at me like I'm not making sense. So I want to make. No, you're making so much sense that I'm like, oh shit, why didn't I see that? So yeah, I, that makes so, a lot because I knew there was something off with what Jill was saying, but I couldn't figure out what it was. She's, and it's, she's strategically trying to put herself as the victim in the position of like I was just so sweet in there and whatever else and now I'm not invited and it's all Dorinda's fault and why did she get so mean and it's like regardless of Dorinda being mean Dorinda saw an opportunity that Jill was going to use to leverage whatever energy Jill was in agreement with with time on camera Dorinda's like what you're not even on this show why would I allow myself to be in that dynamic like our personal relationship doesn't need to be fodder for this show because you have a vested interest in coming back and I think that that is smart, but it's so smart. But I think it's also interesting because it does seem like maybe the show theoretically would have been interested in that. And the reason I say that is because that they obviously let her film at the Halloween party, and also because next week in the coming attractions we see that Heather Thompson makes an appearance in the Berkshires, which seems like they are mining the field for old energy because they know they need somebody. And both of those women are two of the people. Aside from Bethany, I would say besides Bethany and Carol, they're the only other two people that are sort of like Greek chorus, have yeah. ha, are sort of rooted in reality. And so mm-hmm. it seems like they were open to bringing Jill back, but Dorinda was like, no. And I'm even though I love Jill and part of me loves Jill, I am sort of like, I think that was the right move because she was being gross. She was trying to exploit whatever type of history or friendship she has with Dorinda for an angle back on the show. And Dorinda saw right through it and was like, she's not invited to my party. And I also, I agree with you. I also think just selfishly, it wouldn't have given us anything that we need. It would have given us something, but we don't need that kind of 
like frenetic energy right now. We just need we need like some sort of clean, strong, elegant is way too optimistic. Just some other kind of through line that doesn't make me feel dirty for 44 minutes plus commercials. And a conflict with Jill and Dorinda is not going to give me that. Like, it's not a conflict problem, although what we are getting is weird with, like, the Sonia v. Lou stuff. I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right to me. I don't know if I can say real, but it just feels very old and tired and whatever. And so I don't need a former housewife to like give that to me because it's just going to be temporary and I don't even know if it's going to be that good. Like we need something else. Thoughts on Heather Thompson. Obviously we don't know what that's going to be like, but are you into her being in the mix with these women? Yeah, I love it. I really don't think she'd come back full time. Um, She was on the people's people's couch however long ago. I don't know if that was a year and a half or whatever it was at this point. Um, She really did not seem interested in coming back, but a lot can happen in a year and a half. She's like doing her like adventure thing of climbing mountains or whatever. And I think that's great. I would love to see her back on the show again. I don't think that that would be enough. Like we need to like, we need to do a restructure. We need to like come in here and just reformulate whatever the fuck is going on and so that means that like sure bring heather back would love it would die for it but like what what is being removed here because ramona is is doing more harm than good and good would be like doing harm but in a more palatable way i don't also don't understand i mean i think i guess you could argue that luann and barbara k went through a similar thing but like so dorinda i'm sorry so uh Ramona, Ramona yeah, Ramona was like bringing Elise around as some sort of like, she's my real friend slash she's going to be a background actor. And then they obviously, she was, they were involving her and then she started doing confessionals. And based on what I'm, what my speculation is that Ramona doesn't like that and doesn't like that now their relationship is like fodder for this show. But I don't know why she, if she wasn't an asshole to Elise, I feel like Elise would have been her ally. But I feel like instead of being like, let's like let me be in cahoots with my quote-unquote real friend who's now a friend of she's like mad that Lisa's is like a part of the mix and is resentful well ramona thought that elise could be her bitch in the similar way that barbara k was for luann there are two problems with that one is you're bringing this person into an environment that you know is constantly changing and evolving and people are people and you know you can be someone's bitch for 23 hours in a day but that leaves one more and so ramona similar to luann is saying i hold the strings in this dynamic i brought you into this why can't i continue to control what it is that you're going to say number one and number two for the viewers when i see a conflict between barbara k and luann and elise and ramona i think it's very very similar because i just think why do why am i supposed to care one of these people in this dynamic and it's a fight amongst one person versus another there are two people one of these people I actually genuinely do not know. And they are not a full-time housewife. They're not even new to the show in the sense that, like, they are anything related to the show. They're just kind of there during filming. If they're upset at their friend who brought them in in some sort of, like, background actor way, why am I supposed to care when they fight? Like, I, there's – the stakes are so – it's like they're not even low. They just don't exist. But is that – like, that's not Elisa's fault. It's just the way that she was – and also I think Barbara's – not it wasn't Barbara's fault it's like the way the show frames them because obviously a lot of like Sutton was is and the way Marlo and the way Tanya the way that Shamia the way that other cities incorporate friends of 
has been successful in the past, but because Elise seems like such an afterthought, it feels like I don't care. Well, Sutton is different because she filmed as a full-time housewife. Sure. Her title was taken away from her because of this fucking custody thing, which as the episodes go on, make less and less sense. She should still be considered full-time. It's completely ridiculous in my eyes. But yeah, with like Elise and Barbara Kay, like it's, is it their fault? No. But at the end of the day, I don't care enough about them to think about if they're responsible for this. I just think like, okay, you're there in scenes and like maybe you're pissed at Ramona and I'm sure there's validity to that. And I also see that you're working a little bit and Whereas Barbara Kay would like burst into tears or cry or whatever, because I think she was nervous and anxious about this. Elise is actually trying to do her best, which is like kind of sad. But um, she's there. She's giving us some moments with the confessionals. It actually does make sense. I just I just personally do not care. Yeah, I just I just genuinely don't care. Yeah, it just seems like uh, she is trying to establish she's trying to talk to the audience and tell us like what's really happening. It just feels like. I do feel like it's factual, but I don't really care about her opinion. But I think it's, I think she ha- is often the correct one because she's like the most sober. She has history with ev- almost everybody. So like it feels right, but I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, I, yeah. I just have to say, yeah, over and over and over again. And you think Ramona's got to go, right? I really think that most of the New York cast has to go aside from Leah. I wonder. Is Tinsley is going to get married, so she's not going to be back on. I know she quit. I'm, she's going to be at the reunion, I assume, but I'm just, like, kind of confused about her departure, and I wonder that I, there was that blind item that you posted that was, like, about uh, two New York Housewives being in negotiations for returning. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that was. Yeah, from Crazy Days and Night, and that, which is usually pretty good with stuff, but that it actually didn't make any sense to me. I want to know who theoretically it. could even be. Yeah, it's a small group and it's not going to be Aviva and the Jill stuff. It's like we can we used to have this like conversation essentially like in theory, should she come back? But the reality is like, I don't think that they would. You just if they're really trying. She did too much. If they're really I think if they're really trying to rebrand the show and make it more diverse that like bringing bringing Jill is really truly represents the old guard. So I don't think that's the right move now. I'm kind of open to any of the other former New York housewives coming back, although I don't know that it's like the if they'll be the right fit. I think it depends on who else is in the mix. Um, speaking about being in the mix, so guys, there's gonna be a little <laughs> short <laughs> Patreon episode with the um, OGs of the AG. So listen to that because that'll be up with a link in the bio. Um, my God, you guys, I just want to say thank you. I love hearing from you. If you're not following me on Instagram, which I know you're not, at Dame Galley ASAP, I have to tell you, I got one of the best gifts I've ever received in my life, which was I recorded an hour-long Patreon-exclusive episode with Sam from Bravo Historian, which was one of them, obviously, aside from today and always, the most one of the like I had such an enjoyable time recording with her it's such an interesting hilarious energy we talked about all things Manzo for like literally an hour um I really really loved it so if you're not on Patreon patreon.com uh slash Andy's girls um it's phenomenal and lives there exclusively and at the end slash in the middle and also at the beginning I was like guys someone get me a fucking cameo with Chris Manzo and AG Heather stepped up and sent me a cameo that Chris Manzo sent my way. 
I'm going to um, post my reaction video. I think I'm going to do it on Patreon. So look for that shortly. The video itself is also on Instagram. My screeching can still be uh, heard in various areas of New York. So thank you to um, Heather, uh, AG Heather, because it was absolutely tremendous. Um, but Damien, you are the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so love you to bits. Tell the listeners how to listen to your podcast um, it's and follow you online. It's called You Might Know Her From. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also just search my name in um, in iTunes and you'll find it. Um, and you can follow me on all forms of social media at Damian Bellino. It's D-A-M-I-A-N-B-E-L-L-I-N-O, just like Alexis Bellino. Oh, your cousin, as she's called you. <laughs> um, guys, Instagram at Dame Galley. Love hearing from you. Slide into my DMs with satchels. I get them exclusively via Instagram. And you can also send me long, for, long, long form ones uh, via email. Um, Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. Um, love you to bits. Stay safe. Wear a mask everywhere you've ever been in your entire life. And um, I can't wait to sass you guys again soon. Bye.